You're listening to The Worship Review, a podcast which evaluates contemporary Christian music for the good of the church to the glory of God. This podcast is for the whole church to encourage thoughtful engagement with the words, emotions, and ideas in our music. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Worship Review. My name is Colin. I'm a history professor and former worship leader of about 15 years, and I'm joined by my co-host, Tyler. I am a graduate student and former worship leader as well. And we are doing this podcast to help out the church. We want to help join the conversations that pastors and worship leaders and just church members and people listening to Christian music in their car are having around Christian music. We want to be helpful. And so, we are going to look at contemporary Christian worship songs with this series for the podcast. And this week, we are looking at the song 10,000 Reasons by Matt Redman. This is a song which has won two Grammys. It has gone platinum twice, which means it's sold over two million copies. It won other awards as well. It is probably Matt Redman's most well-known song. I mean, it is one of the biggest hits of any song, I think, that we could possibly Hmm. talk about on this podcast. And we are going to dig into this song. So we're going to look at what the song is about what happens in the song and how clear and coherent the song is. I'm very curious how this is going to turn out because I know you and I have both led this song in congregations. And I'll start by asking you, Tyler, uh, what is, who or what is this song about? This song is about the soul of the worshiper being implored to bless the Lord and to worship his name. Despite whatever the day brings, uh, despite what life brings, even on our deathbeds, we are to bless God for all his goodness. And there's some interplay between addressing the soul directly, oh, my soul, and praising God directly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would say this song is both for the believer and for God. Your name is great. Your heart is kind. Mm -hmm. It's to remind the heart of the believer to praise God, and it's also to directly address God about the things we have to praise him for, especially his attributes. Um, And we also see hints of his infinite goodness. So, for all your goodness, I will keep on singing 10,000 reasons for my heart to find. Mm -hmm. Um, Implying not that we will enumerate 10,000 things, but that at the end of 10,000 reasons— We'll have more to sing about still. Yeah. Um, Just by searching one attribute of his goodness. Right. It's amazing. We see a song which is weighted towards the worshiper imploring his soul to bless the Lord. And then I think we really have, for the most part, one verse that actually really talks about God. Most of the song, I would say, is about, hey, soul, do this. But of course, as as you indicate rightly... 
in doing, in the soul being implored to bless the Lord, there's a heavily implied idea that God can be blessed and praised forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's some implicit references here um, to Psalm 103, for example. Yes. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is in me. Bless his holy name. So this is clearly what the refrain is meant to call us to. And it works. It's it's really, it, it really ties together the song well and gives a very healthy and scriptural refrain for the church to sing. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, verse 8 of that same psalm uh, talks about uh, God who is uh, merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. You're slow to anger. Your name is great, and your heart is kind. This is clearly also referenced in the song. You're rich in love. You're slow to anger. Yep. So this is also a biblical song in many yep. ways too. Yep. Yeah. I think Psalm 103 is clearly the blueprint for the song. And what's neat about that phrase in particular, "You're rich in love and slow in anger," that appears in numerous psalms. It also interestingly enough, is the way that God describes himself when he first appears to Moses and to give the law. Who's trembling in fear. exactly. It's also in uh, Nehemiah. It's also in Numbers. Although comparing it with Psalm 103 is an interesting exercise because like so many songs that allude to Scripture, or the song does more than allude to Scripture, does directly quote Scripture. It does leave some of the details out. It has to be one of the most famous psalms to sing and to recite. I've heard it at weddings and... Psalm 103 is a powerful, powerful psalm. Again, I won't read the whole thing, but bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. And then it starts listing them. It's a giant list of specific ways that God is awesome. (laughs) Who He forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed. He works righteousness, justice for all who are oppressed, made known his ways to Moses and his acts, the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, which is what he said to Moses. Uh, he will not always chide. He will not keep his anger. Like So it just goes on and on and on. Boom, 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 boom. And what I find funny about 10,000 Reasons, and it's, it's, it's clearly based on Psalm 103, is so the song, obviously the song is not going to give us 10,000 Reasons. It can't, or the song would be five hours long. And Psalm 103 doesn't give us 10,000 reasons either. But Psalm 103 gives us like, I don't know, 20 or 30 reasons to bless the Lord at least. How many reasons does 10,000 reasons <laughs> give us to bless the Lord? And this, I think, is kind of typical Matt Redman, which I'll, I'll say something about in a second. But Matt Redman titles the song 10,000 Reasons. He says all over the song, like, yeah, we got 10,000 reasons, blah, 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 blah. I think he gives four reasons maybe five. They all come from verse two. You're rich in love, reason one. You're slow to anger, reason two. Your name is great, reason three. Your heart is kind, reason four. Is there a fifth reason in there? Perhaps for all your goodness. That could be a summary of the four verses preceding it, or it could be in another reason. Yeah, it could be. So, four and a half. Sure. Four and a half reasons. Now, 
Well, the reason I say it's like typical Matt Redmond is I think about a song like Heart of Worship. Are you familiar with that song? I'm going back to the heart of worship. Where it's all about you? (laughs) Yeah. But the whole song is actually about him? (laughs) (laughs) I hadn't thought of that, Colin. (laughs) It's a a beautiful song. And the sentiments behind the song are really beautiful. But the song like never actually does, quite quite does what what it's claiming. This is a song that tells you what it's going to do. It doesn't necessarily show you. Like I said, most of the song is kind of reflecting on and imploring the soul to bless the Lord. It's saying, yeah, he's super good. He's great. But why? Well, I've got four and a half reasons why he's good. Again, which that's great. Some songs don't have four and a half reasons. Some songs have no reasons. But Psalm 103 has like 20 or 30. And, you know, you would think that Matt Redman might have pulled in some more of those reasons. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know. What do you think, Tyler? Psalm 103 is also extremely poetic in, in how it, it does that, too. So, as we have these sayings that have stuck with us because of this psalm. As far as the east is from the west, mm. so far has he removed our sins from us. Oh, wow! Yeah. That should just yeah, bring you to your knees in praise, Yeah, if, if you're like me. Yeah. Um, And to your point about the, the 10,000 reasons not being there in substance. I wonder if that, we we need Matt Redman here to answer questions about how he wrote it. So I wonder if the 10,000 is a consequence of uh, him writing 10,000 years before 10,000 reasons. And, and here's what I'm thinking. I think the 10,000 years might be a reference to Amazing Grace. It is. Oh. It All is. Right, fine. Yes, no, you're right. So, so he wrote this perhaps with that in mind. Yes. And then, backfit some of these other things onto that. Yep. He says in this interview that him and the guy that wrote it, Jonas, or Jonas? Jonas Mirin. Jonas Mirin. (laughs) Swedish guy, a Swedish dude, who I think has helped Matt Redman write a lot of songs. They were definitely thinking about Amazing Grace, and they wanted 10,000 to be a kind of hook, is what they say. They thought of it as a way of making a song more instant and easy to grab onto. That's the quotation from this interview with Matt Redman. So it, oh. it they deliberately... That's a marketing decision. <laughs> yes, that's right. My soul will sing your praise unending. 10,000 years and then Um, and, but Matt Redman is not above making marketing decisions. I mean, he has, like, the communion song. Say, take this bread, take this wine, now the sample may divine for any to receive. He has, like, Pentecostal songs. Shout to shake the skies, lift up a cry, be glorified. The King is coming in, the King is coming in. Lift up your heads, you ancient gates. It's very, you can see it being sung in a Pentecostal church. Anyway, so, you know, he's not above above doing that. Again, I'm not going to criticize it, but what were we talking about? Um, so, yeah, ten, so uh, it, is a, it is a reference to Amazing yeah. Grace. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright yeah. shining as the sun, yeah. etc. And 10,000, by the way, in Scripture, I don't know if Matt Redman was aware of this or not. 10,000 in Scripture is usually a number... That's that really just means multitude. Yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't mean ten thousand. 
10,000 in my right yeah. hand. Exactly. It's one of these numbers, and ancient numbers are like this. It, lest you, lest someone worry that I'm saying that the Bible isn't accurate or something, no, the Bible is written in a cultural context. And virtually all ancient societies did not think of numbers in the same way that we think about numbers. Once you get up to certain amounts, they think of them symbolically. But even small numbers they think of symbolically, like seven or three. These have cultural meanings within different cultures. And 10,000 was a number in ancient Hebrew culture that just meant, like, like we use the word jillions. It's not even a number. But if you told somebody there were jillions of those flies outside, they would know that you meant like the air was full of flies. That's what 10,000 is doing. So, when the Bible talks about 10,000, sometimes it does mean actually 10,000, but in many cases, it just means multitudes. And I think Amazing Grace is riffing on that, because obviously, when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, like, I don't even know if there will be years as such in in heaven. It depends so, how long the earth continues to orbit the yeah, sun. Yeah, so the point, but the point really is, is just saying, time will pass, a lot of time will pass, and we'll be like, oh yeah, we're not, like, we haven't even begun to sing God's praises. And I think Matt Redman is trying to capture that. You know, that feeling that you get, because that's a, that's a nice lyric and amazing sure, grace. Yeah. And I think he's successful in doing that. Oh, because well, obviously when, is. <laughs> obviously. Yeah. When I, I suspect that even people that don't know that that's a reference to amazing grace, when they sing 10,000 years and then forevermore, they're instantly yeah. feeling They don't even realize of, it. It's like Disney. Like, it's just, there's magic in 10,000 and a worship song. Like, I'm shocked that more people haven't done it. Well, maybe it's our turn next. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, to write that hit, yeah. then we can stop doing this podcast. <laughs> Maybe make some money. Because <laughs> we sure aren't making it in the academy. I don't know. Do we still need to talk about what happens to the song? Oh, I haven't even started. Oh, great. I was waiting for the question. Well, what happens in the song, Tyler? <laughs> well, Colin, uh, the primary action in this song is singing. Uh, the chorus mentions blessing and worship as well. But singing surfaces in every verse of this song and in the chorus. It's a new day, darling. It's time to sing your song again. Whatever may pass and whatever lies before me, let me be singing when the Sing like never before. Let me be singing when the evening comes. For all your goodness, I will keep on singing. Still my soul will sing your praise on any. So this is actually wow. kind of a self-referential song. I'm singing. It's a country song. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm singing about the fact that I will sing, and I am singing, and forever we will sing. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. No. That it's just the case that yeah. this song mentions singing a lot. There's this imagery where the first verse spans the dawn to dusk. Um, and the Christian is supposed to sing God's praise throughout the day and night. And that's, mm -hmm. that's clearly scriptural. Oh, We're going to yeah. pray without yeah, ceasing. Yeah. Um, and the second verse addresses some of the praiseworthy attributes directly, as you've mentioned. And then the third verse describes how uh, when we die, we will go on to sing our praises to God in eternity. And on that day when my strength is failing, 
The end draws near and my time has come Still my soul will sing your praise unending Takes four lines to accomplish um, the phrase when I die. So we have, we actually have several idioms for death. Um, if I could, if I could here, um, on that, on that day when my strength is failing, idiom number one, the end draws near idiom number two, and my time has come idiom number three. Now. Okay. What you mean is when I'm on my deathbed. So it has almost as many idioms for death as it does reasons to praise God. Oh dear, Colin, that is a <laughs> terrible observation. <laughs> so there, there's not a lot to talk about in terms of actions, but that's what I see happening in this song. <laughs> I've sung this song so many times, and I've never thought about the fact that I was just being redundant about I'm I'm dying, I'm really dying, I'm getting close to dying. All right, everybody, say goodbye. It's like um, it's like Ecclesiastes. I think it's chapter twelve where. Half of that chapter is like just described, like the windows are darkening, the rain is coming. Like it's like, okay, we get it. You're 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 dying. Like that's what's happening. What about uh, metaphor, simile? What's, what do you think about that? Yeah. So as I mentioned, the song is very consistent about singing. It, mm-hmm. it permeates the song. Um, it's it's also coherent. There's never a moment where you sit there and you scratch your head about what's happening or who we're singing to or what we're singing to them about exactly. So I would give it points for its consistency and okay. its clarity. Um, my only gripe is that at times it's a little diffuse and it takes a lot of lines to say the same thing. It's it's very watered down at times. Okay. Thank you for defining that. That's a word that's above a 12th grade level. and Sure. You know, you have to... Um, I know, Colin, you, with, with your prestigious <laughs> position at a university, will probably need me to dumb things down. Definitely. Okay. Uh, I don't know. Again, this is another one of those songs that you don't dock it for what it has. There's nothing yeah, wrong with yeah, what's yeah. there. There really isn't. The very kind of a vanilla It's probably vanilla written to be unobjectionable to yeah. most Christians. Yes. And in fact, obviously is, because it is on the top, you know, 10... 20 of ccli so mm-hmm. which means it's sung all over the you know all sorts of churches colin maybe this is maybe we're getting at something deeper here and that is a lot of these songs that are so popular are popular because they fit into a variety of audiences if i were to sing a song about um the holy spirit giving me the gift of tongues yeah it would be very popular with a certain audience but it would not be popular yeah. with most other audiences no. in fact they would object to it but if I were to write a song about the fire within me, mm-hmm. well, I can appease one yes. group, and I can also yeah. not be objectionable to the other group, yes. and so I actually win. Yes, it's very it's a conservative way yeah. to to include yes. those things. Yes, you have to think that there are marketing people at Christian music labels who are like, no, 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 you've said covenant. You need to not say that. You need to say promise. We need to say this a different way, which still speaks in code to the denomination, a particular denomination, but which doesn't automatically then invalidate it in other denominations. Because, you know, evangelical Christianity is a little bit weird in that they do share, evangelicals share broad consensus on 
on certain orthodox doctrines, but they're very particular about some distinctive aspects, you know, the sacraments and charismatic versus cessationist and variety of other aspects. One of the things that I really like about the clarity of praise in this song is that attributes of God are named directly and praised directly and not filtered through anyone. So, you are rich in love and slow to anger, not you have been rich in love and slow to anger with me. me. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's a different to me, to me. So this song offers praise directly to God uh, without filtering it through any sort of intermediary. And this song is also really typical for a CCLI song. What I mean by that is I'm actually basing that judgment explicitly and solely on word choice. So there are other ways we could, there are other similarities we could point to and have pointed to. But one similarity is that its choice of words conforms to a T with the typical words found in CCLI music that we had a computer tabulate. Yeah. Oh, good. Talk about this. So for for this corpus that we created, which a corpus is just a body of texts, we created this body of texts by gathering lyrics from hundreds of worship songs and and also from the psalms different translations of the psalms different artists catalogs hymnals hymnals. and what we found is that for the top 12 words in the corpus in the body of uh, contemporary christian music this song has eight (gasps) eight out of 12 wow and so if it had jesus it would have been nine but it doesn't yeah um and and so just for uh, examples. God is actually not named. That's the number one in CCLI, but Lord is in here. Jesus is not. Sing is. Love is. Um, holy is. Let is, is in let my heart. Is, uh, <laughs> King is not. Heart is. Your heart is kind. Wow. Glory is not praise is great wow so note to aspiring contemporary christian songwriters oh, jesus yeah. god holy let let king king heart okay glory praise great so stick all those things in your song you will be you very will make successful. it yep that's the secret and there are some commonalities between the song and the Psalms as well. Um, that just doesn't in terms surprise of count, me at all. Sing, praise, mm-hmm. great, mm-hmm. things like that. Uh, no wickedness in this song, unfortunately, or no. evildoers, but no. we have the good things. <laughs> Enemies, snares. Yeah. None of that. <laughs> yeah. I'm really glad that you brought back up the, uh, the, the computer work. I'm missing there. it. Yeah, yeah. Miss- Hopefully we can offer it as a, a resource at some point. Yeah, it would be nice to figure out how to... Make that available. Yeah. Concluding thoughts. Should this song be sung? You have sung it, so... I have not changed my mind about this song. Okay. I would sing this song congregationally. Um, not just because it doesn't contain anything objectionable, but it contains some things that are very good, mm-hmm. I would say. What about you? So, like you, I do not find it objectionable. I think it's a pretty vanilla song. Uh, I, do, I don't think it's an awesome song. Uh 
and I think there are probably probably better songs. Like I think Amazing Grace, the song which it alludes to, is a better song. I think so long as this song isn't your main source of the gospel, which obviously it doesn't really have, uh, it's probably fine. It's You're not giving horrible. it a, a meh, yes. A meh, yes, that's right. M-E-H period. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> is yeah. this uh saying uh, this is word in german if if it's like a mixed yes or no if it's yeah and nine you can say yein yeah. like oh are you serious yeah you can it's say very friendly that's funny because that's like the only time i've ever heard of germans combining words together <laughs> it's not it's but it's it's unique in in i i realize what you're saying and that is there's all these but it compounds. doesn't keep the full words it mushes right. them it's that's a portmanteau rare. Yes, rather than a rare. compound that's right usually they keep the whole you know, of of the ten words that they combine <laughs> together to form one word, they actually just keep them all. They just mush them. They just take the spaces out. Yeah, und neining brüling hausen steigen magen. It's like reading Latin inscriptions. It's the same thing. Like they don't they didn't figure out spaces for the longest time. What would you rate the song, Tyler? Uh, I would rate this song four out of five mm. missed entrances because this song for me has always been rife when I hear it sung with that one guy who, yeah. who he comes in early That's because right. a worship leader wants to sing the forevermore yeah. after 10,000 years and then forevermore. And so then yeah. because that only comes in a half a beat before he's like forevermore and bless the Lord. Oh, oh, never mind. You know, <laughs> poor guy in the back who's just trying to sing along. What did you give it? Uh, when you said missed entrances, actually, I was thinking about, this song being the opening song. So therefore it's when people come in late. Right. I didn't even think of that, but yeah, that's, you get there and you're like, the opportunity to enter the church on time. So now they have to be like, Oh my goodness. I have to walk into this building and the only seats available are in the front row. Yeah, and, and you can tell time see me. with this song. You can arrive yeah. at church and say, oh, well, they're still in your rich in love. Yeah, and so that's right. <laughs> We're fine. Let's get our coffee in the back that's and right. get a seat. That's right. Yeah. What did you give this song, Colin? I gave this song three out of five German churches. Very good, because they recorded this in that a small church in correct. Berlin. Yeah. Probably doing worship of that style that had not been done in that church. Maybe ever. That's true. Stuff. I always thought it was funny that in... European countries, you have old, beautiful church buildings being turned into businesses. And then in the United States, you have like the, the like desolated strip malls being bought up, like the big box stores being bought up by churches, which I think makes the idea of consumer Christianity all the more interesting. Yeah, because you can literally go church shopping. Well, we really appreciate your listenership please uh, visit our website and check us out on the next episode. Thank you. Thank you. Right. <laughs> that one. You've been listening to The Worship Review. Please subscribe to the podcast, leave a comment, or email us at feedback at theworshipreview.com. We accept donations at anchor.fm slash theworshipreview and patreon.com slash theworshipreview. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.